Amen. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter number 3. As you watched our video and you saw the people, you realized that we have a local church in the Philippines just like you have here. And a local church is made up of people. Yes, we have programs and activities and so forth, but uh, my prayer is that as I share God's word with you, that hopefully I can weave into it a little bit about some of our people and all as well. Um, but we are thankful. God has blessed us with, with tremendous facilities. Uh, they were built back in the 90s by another U.S. missionary, and... Uh, that ministry, he had tried, he left the Philippines and went to China, tried to turn it over to nationals on two different occasions, and immorality and other corruption and stuff, and finally he decided to sell it, and Metroview Baptist Church was able to uh, benefit from that great blessing. So we praise the Lord for the facilities. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, if we could stand to our feet for the reading of God's word this evening. Follow along as I read, beginning in verse 14 through verse 21. It says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the scriptures. I thank you for a Bible preaching, teaching church, Lord, a local church that holds to your word. I thank you for the pastor and people here. I thank you for the opportunity to gather and worship you. Thank you for the freedoms you give us in this country. I, I pray that tonight, Lord, that you will speak to our hearts, that you'll encourage us and strengthen us, but also challenge us and convict us. Help us, dear God, that we will draw nigh unto you, that you will draw nigh unto us. Guide and direct that everything said and done will honor and glorify you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight, that, that was a beautiful song, and... Thinking about that, God is always there, amen? amen? Eternity past, eternity future, and God is always there. Tonight, uh, th this passage that we read is actually a prayer of the Apostle Paul. He's praying for the church at, at Ephesus, uh, probably a familiar passage to you, uh, but, but he is truly praying for uh, the, the fullness, for Christ-likeness. Uh, that they would grow spiritually and be used of the Lord as God desires and that they would become more like Christ. That is God's desire for every one of us, amen? 
And, and tonight, I want to share a message with you entitled, Serving God with a Capital G. Serving God with, with a Capital G. And why do I say that? Well, you saw the video. You saw the beginning of the video in crowds of people. There was no way that you could not notice that. Uh, the, the first set of pictures was another location in Manila, but the second set uh, of pictures was Antipolo. That, that is where we minister. And every single year during Holy Week, on Monday, Thursday, that's Thursday evening, into the early morning hours of Good Friday, those huge crowds that you saw, those are tens of thousands of individuals marching up the streets from Manila into Antipolo to go to that Catholic cathedral you saw in the picture and bow down and literally worship a statue of Mary. That's why they're going there. That statue of Mary, Our, Our Lady of Peace and Good Voyage, that, that is the name of that particular statue of Mary in Antipolo. Antipolo is the pilgrimage capital of the Philippines, and they are literally worshiping an image, an object, a statue uh, there in Antipolo. And throughout the years, hundreds of thousands of people go through Antipolo as tourists to go to that cathedral and worship that statue of Mary and to take their new vehicles and so forth to that cathedral so it can be blessed, so that they'll have safety on the roads. And before they travel, they, they come to Antipolo, they travel to Antipolo before they take their trip out of the country or whatever the case may be, to, to receive a blessing. They are literally worshiping an object. Now you and I, in most cases, uh, are not guilty of bowing down to a statue. They, they don't just bow down to Mary, but there are statues of Peter and Paul and every other so-called saint uh, and, and so forth uh, around the cathedral and all that they'll go and worship and kiss and take their handkerchief and, and try to receive a blessing. But here in America, here in America, we have many other things that we worship, that we put before God. So tonight, you, you have completed your Faith Promised Missions Conference. I praise the Lord that your pastor leading you, that, that he leads you to have that conference on an annual basis uh, to make that commitment to missions. Not just so you can support missionaries like us, but it is a benefit to you. I'll explain that uh, it, in a few minutes in the message. God taught us personally, and I, I, I will share that to you. Uh, but in this country especially, but just us as human beings, uh, we, we tend to put other things before the Lord. It, what could that possibly be? Well, uh, I think of individuals. There are some that worship their trophies, their gold medals, their Super Bowl ring or NBA championship. Now, most of us here have never been in those situations, but regular individuals, sometimes we, we put certain teams we kind of worship teams. Last night in our hotel room, we just turned on the television for a few minutes and there was a football game and I saw people all painted in different colors and all. They pretty much worship that, that football team. And some actually literally worship certain movie stars or athletes and so forth. 
But maybe athletics is not your thing. But many, uh, m many individuals put their bank account first. Oh, what is my net worth? That's what's most important. My position at work, working my way up the corporate ladder. That, that, that's more important than God or my family or anything else. My position, the, the power that I have. And for, for others, it is all about self. Is that not what the world teaches us today? Me, myself, and I, that's the most important person. And anything that I need to do to satisfy self, it's okay. Just do it. Isn't that what they say? J just do it. And even Romans chapter 1 tells us that we put the creature before the creator. And God desires that every one of us would put him first. How amazing is your God? How amazing is the God that you serve? I serve such an amazing God. I could stand here for three hours just giving you testimony of everything that, that God has done in my life. And I hope that you can share similar uh, things and how God has just done amazing things in your life. Are you serving the God, little g, of this world? Hindus, they literally do have millions of different gods. But in this country, sometimes we put our, our boat or our fishing rod or our, our, our golf clubs or whatever the case may be, that they come before the Lord. Are you serving the gods of this world? Wood, hay, stubble, things that will be burned up in eternity. Or are you truly putting God first in your life? God wants to do amazing things in us and through us. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that God wants to do amazing things in us and through us? I want to very quickly share with you seven thoughts. That sounds like a lot, but we will go through it quickly. First of all, we serve a God that is able. Number one, we serve a God that is able. Look at verse 20. I do not have time to give these scriptures justice, but... In verse 20, it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Look back at that verse. Now unto him that is able. Able to do what? Able. There is nothing outside the ability of God. There is a Bible track out there that I've seen that says that there's three things God cannot do, and that's true. He, he cannot lie. Amen. God cannot lie, uh, God cannot change, God's character is unchanging, God does not change, amen? amen? God's character does not change, and God cannot allow unsaved individuals into heaven. He can't allow unsaved individuals in, into heaven with him. That, that's three things God cannot do, but there is truly nothing outside the ability of God. God is able, and again... Uh, th these scriptures that we're looking at are really talking about spiritual strength in us that God can work in us and through us. A and with that in mind, what is God able to do? Look back at the verse. He is able to do exceeding, able to do exceeding abundantly, able to do exceeding abundantly above, able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. No matter how great your imagination is, 
The things you want to accomplish for God, God wants to do even more through you. God wants to accomplish so much in your life, he just wants us to be willing to surrender to him, to give ourselves to him, and he will guide and direct our paths if we will completely trust him. That is God's desire. I'm going to quickly go on to number two. Number two, we serve a God that hears and answers prayer. Do you believe that? We serve a God that hears and answers prayer. In November of 99, I believed that the Lord uh, was really prompting my heart uh, about the ministry and the mission field. I told my wife, and she ignored me. She, she did not want to hear that. She ignored me. In March of 2000, in our annual missions conference, I publicly surrendered to the ministry and to the mission field, and my wife was angry about that. She, she, she was not a happy person uh, about that. Uh, she had worked her whole life to get to America, to enjoy the American dream. I don't blame her for that. And she and I at that point, we both had good paying jobs. We had a very nice home in North Carolina on a lake, waterfront, and two wonderful healthy children living the American dream, uh, just enjoying life and here, and we were involved in a church and very active and so forth in the church. And here I'm ruining it for her. No, you're not taking me back to the Philippines. You can go. I'll even support you. But the kids and I are staying right here. That's exactly what she told me. And that next month, we already had a trip scheduled to go to the Philippines in April of 2000. It was during Holy Week. We were there three weeks, but we were on the island of Leyte, city of Tacloban, and I saw the Passion Parades. I saw them beating themselves, beating one another, shedding their own blood, trying to win favor with God, and going to the Catholic Church and all, and seeing all of the, the idols and statues, and seeing the Ten Commandments posted on the outside of the building, but there's a problem. It was missing something about worshiping graven images. They removed that from the Ten Commandments. That was not part of the Ten Commandments. The Lord just really burdened my heart, and I knew that that's where he wanted us, but Ivy did not want to be there. She had no problem being there to visit on that trip, but she didn't want to go there to, for ministry. And I had heard testimony of other missionaries and even pastors dragging their wives into the ministry. The ending was not good. So I spent the next, we went back. I, just, I continued to work, and she continued to work. I spent the next four years fasting, praying. Four years later, God, she came to me. God had answered my prayers. It doesn't always happen overnight, but I know that God answers prayer. Do you believe that? Yes. That God answers prayer. In these scriptures, Paul, he, he's praying unto the Lord, verse 14, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was praying for the church at Ephesus. He was a man that believed that God heard and answered prayer. David, the psalmist, in the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. David had no doubt that God would answer him. Jeremiah 33.3, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. We could go on with many other examples. God is a God that answers prayer, but are you calling out unto him? 
Are you lifting up your prayer requests to him? Do you pray for your missionaries? Your pastor was talking about that and contacting. We do receive emails from individuals, some individuals even in churches that don't support us, but they support us through prayer. Prayer, financial support, obviously is a necessity to, to be able, in any ministry, finances are a necessity. But the prayer of God's people is the most important thing necessary. Do you understand that? Prayer, that is the most important thing that, that you can do for one another and for your missionaries is to lift them up in prayer. And it is a blessing to receive an email, which our email address is on the back, by the way, to receive an email just to say, I prayed for you today. And maybe a, an additional little note, whatever the case may be, but that is a great, great blessing. Sometimes when we pray, though, our faith is so small. Uh, our faith uh, is small, and we don't always think God really will answer or, or we're praying too small. E even a simple example like Vacation Bible School. We had over 150 kids. I was praying for just 100. The first year we did it, we only had 40. We had a lot of problems and so forth. I was praying for 100 kids. God gave us 150. What if I had prayed for 200? What if I had prayed for 250? What could God have done? God wants to do amazing things in our lives, but we must uh, give it to him in prayer. He wants us to trust him. Number three, we serve a God that's, that is able to save souls. We serve a God that is able to save souls. I was 24 years old when I trusted Christ as my personal savior. I had been to church as a child. I, I had heard the gospel, but I had gone to live for the world. And at the age of 24, a man, I went to a business meeting. I wanted to make money, and I wanted to learn how to make money. The man was a Christian, and he shared his testimony. That night, I realized that I was lost and bound for eternity in hell. I was not guaranteed tomorrow, and none of us are. That night, I went home and opened my Bible to John chapter 3 and began to read, You must be born again. All the way through John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Have you made that decision yourself in your life? If you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, do not leave here today without making that decision. Pastor would love to show you. I would love to show you. Maybe you've been here for years, but you've never made that decision. Don't leave here. But the rest of us that say that, yes, I know heaven will be my eternal home. God wants to use us to reach lost souls. Do you understand that? God is able to save souls. There's no doubt about that. But God uses people to accomplish it. Are you able to take the word of God and to share the word of God to lead someone else? The greatest blessing in my life was when I trusted Christ. The third greatest blessing was marrying my wife, and then after that would be the birth of our children. Number two, the second greatest blessing in life, I believe, is when God gives us the opportunity to lead someone else to him. That's the second greatest blessing in life, only second to our own salvation. But when God allows you the opportunity to share the gospel with someone else, 
and see them bow their head and pray to receive Christ. What an awesome opportunity. What a privilege it is. That truly is a blessing. We serve a God that is able to save souls, but he wants us involved in that process. You have Bible tracts and so forth. Do you take them? Do you participate? Do you hand out? Do you invite people to church? Are you involved in that process? Again, I could say a, a, a whole lot more. One of our first converts uh, after we arrived, Mar Mary Joy Mullet, and she, she got involved and became a great asset, uh, even part-time secretary and so forth. We sent her off to Bible college. She came back and now she's one of our school teachers in our Christian school. And we, we praise the Lord. I could share many other testimonies about souls that have been saved. But number four, number four, we serve a God that provides every need. We serve a God that provides every need. Uh, I've been going through these points, but kind of skipping the scriptures that go with it. But verse 15, wherefore I, I also, oops. Verse 15, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. When we trust Christ, we become a part of the family of God. Verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. What does God own? Everything. God owns everything. There is nothing outside the reach of God. Now these scriptures honestly are not talking materially. They are talking spiritually and God wants to strengthen us which he has the ability to do that, amen? He has the ability to strengthen us, but materially speaking as well, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. There is no need that you can have that God is not able to fulfill that if we will trust him. And I said I was going to share. When after Ivy and I were married, we were attending a Southern Baptist church. We didn't know any different. We both knew something was missing, and one day on the radio we heard a preacher. And we said, we need to go to that church. It was an independent Baptist church, and we learned about tithing, about faith, promise, missions, giving, and we got involved, and we learned very quickly that we could never outgive God. We could never outgive God, and every year, adding to our faith, promise, missions, always increasing what we were giving, and we were very involved in all the different ministries of the church, but God showed us that we could never outgive him. God wants to bless his people. Do you, do you understand that? Do you believe that? God wants to bless his people, but we must trust him. We must truly surrender ourselves first. That doesn't mean he's going to send you to a foreign mission field, but he wants to use you right here. This is a mission field in this area of Florida. There, there is a great need. God wants you to surrender yourself, and that includes surrendering our wallet, our pocketbook, and, and so forth. We serve a God that will provide every need. Look at the end of that verse. It, it, it says, to be strengthened with might by his spirit, in the inner man. He wants to strengthen us through the power of the Holy Spirit. When we trust Christ, we have 100% of the Holy Spirit. The question is, does the Holy Spirit have 100% of us? God wants to do more in and through our lives. Let's go on to number five. We serve a God that has victory in the battles. God 
has already had the final victory. He's overcome Satan. You understand that through Christ on the cross, that that victory has already taken place, and we know what the future holds for Satan. But every day, the Christian life is a battle. And every day, we must trust the Lord that he would grant you, verse 16, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, as we trust in him, as we spend time in the word of God, as you spend time under the preaching and teaching of your pastor and personal Bible study and all, we are strengthened. Our relationship with the Lord becomes closer and closer. And God uses that to help us to overcome the trials and tribulations that we face in our lives. It, God has the victory he tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 to put on the whole armor of God. Uh, we need to have a close walk with the Lord to overcome the trials, the temptations that Satan puts before us. Let, let's go on to, to number 6. Number 6, we serve a God that is able to transform lives. We serve a God that is able to transform lives. I know in my own life and Ivy and what God did in her heart and life and bringing her to a closer walk with him and willing to go to the mission field and now neither of us would want to be any other place. We know that's where God has put us. But God wants to transform every one of us. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be, what's the next word? Transformed. That's what God wants to do. He wants to transform each one of us by the renewing of our mind. He wants us to surrender ourselves willingly unto him. And I think of one couple in the Philippines, Mike and Maribel. They were a couple, Mike is Maribel's third husband, and they were heading for separation. And Mike finally came with Maribel to church. And he, at the end of the service, one of our men took him aside and spent 30 minutes with him. And he came out and said that he had trusted Christ. But then after that, for 10 months, he never saw the family again. I thought they had been offended and were never coming back. And he really hadn't trusted Christ. But his work had taken him away, and when they came back, 10 months later, they've been there ever since, for the last two years now. And God has just done amazing things in their marriage, in their family, and what they're helping us with in the church. It's just amazing how God transforms lives. We don't have the power to do it, but God does. And we look at these scriptures so the end of verse 16 talked about being strengthened with might uh, by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That's how we trust Christ is by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. The fullness of God that, that is limitless. But yet God wants us to be like Christ. He wants us to, to be full of the, the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is truly working in and through each and every one of us. 
God transforms lives. Number seven, and we're done. We serve a God that deserves all the glory. We serve a God that deserves all the glory. That may be last, but that is surely not least. Look at verse 21. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. We serve a God that changes our lives and takes us and uses us for his honor and glory. Everything we do should be to honor and glorify him. It's not about self like the world teaches us. No, we are to have our priorities right and put God first. To serve God with a capital G, not things that are perishable on this earth. What God are you serving? Is your God able to do amazing things? I hope that you're serving the one true God. Let's stand to our feet, heads bowed, eyes closed. Heads bowed, eyes closed tonight. I will ask a few questions before I pray and then turn it over to Pastor. But tonight, first and most important, is there anyone here at all? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I want to pray for you. Is there anyone that would say, Preacher, if I die tonight, I don't know that I would go to heaven. I don't know that heaven would be my eternal home. Is there anyone? Eyes are closed, heads are bowed, no one's looking around. Is there anyone that would raise their hand and say, I don't know that I would go to heaven if I were to die? Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Okay, I don't see any hands for that. So that means that everyone here is saying that you are a child of God. You are a part of the family of God. So the question tonight then, are you truly serving him? Let, let me phrase it a different way and have you raise your hand. Is there anyone that would say with a raised hand, preacher, pray for me. I, I need a closer walk with the Lord. I need a closer walk with the Lord. Anyone? Many hands. I, I see hands all over. Is there anyone that would say, there are some things in, in my life that are not right, that, that I need to get right with the Lord? Is there anyone that would be willing to say that? There are things I need to get right with the Lord. Amen. Thank you for those raised hands. Just a more general question. Anyone that would just raise their hand and say, the Lord spoke to me tonight. Something in the message. Thank you. Anyone else? Hands all over. Okay. I'm going to pray. Uh, the pianist is going to play. The, the altar is open. And after I pray, I am going to turn it over to your pastor. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, many have raised their hands tonight. I, I believe, Lord, that you desire every one of us to have a closer walk with you. I pray, dear God, that there would be real decisions made and that each one of us, that we would truly focus on putting you first in our lives. So many distractions around us, Lord. Help us, dear God, to truly honor and glorify you, realizing that you want to do so much in us and through us. May we be your surrendered servants like the Apostle Paul was. 
guide and direct in this time of invitation. In Jesus' precious name, amen. The altar's open.